Welcome to the first Exhibitionist podcast of 2020. Woohoo! Happy New Decade! Happy New Year! Happy Big new things. Everything. Big times. Big Happy things. New Year. Look, look everywhere except at the mainstream media, and this is going to be an absolutely wonderful year ahead of us. <laughs> we've well already said, seen well um, we've, we've already seen what Blackstone have made their first acquisition. Blackstone, the company behind Clarion, the world's third largest organizer now. Yeah. And they bought uh, in your back just, garden. Yeah, they did. They, uh, they've been buying up the Las Vegas Strip. Um, yeah, the latest acquisition was four point something billion dollars with a B. Um, they bought the MGM the Grand, MGM Grand, and they bought Mandalay Bay with a 10-year leaseback agreement. So along with that and the World Market Center and the Bellagio and, and the Cosmo, um, they've become a major player on the Strip. So it's, it's a pretty interesting time here in Las Vegas, I will tell you. What else do we expect this year? I think that we're going to see, we'll continue to see you know, entrepreneurs get gobbled up. And, um, and then we'll see the big companies screw up half of those because that's what they do. That's no offense do. to our friends, but you, we all know they do. You know, you lose the entrepreneur. You try to put a square peg into a round hole. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's then, unfortunate. And the, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see which plays work and which, which don't. And we're particularly keen on, uh, on also some of the tech. I mean, we've heard today that Feather have just had... 11 million investments. So people are buying yay, into this. Yay, exactly, you know, and, 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 and uh, Aiden. Aiden. Two really, yeah. really wonderful young entrepreneurs. Um, and Marco, and Marco Gilberti, who was there, yeah. who's been their angel investor and um, former and Reed and mentor. In Latin America, yeah. Yeah, we've talked about Marco before. We think he's just brilliant. And, and what he's doing, working especially with tech companies in the event space, is really nothing short of remarkable. And like you say, it's good to see that uh, that paying back, not just financially, but on the, in terms of the time and effort he's spent with those guys. So how about, you, how, how about you, Steph? What's 2020 got for you? Well, I started out um, working with a German delegation uh, going through CES. It was something that I hadn't done before, but again, it's using that skill set. And, um, you know, as Shelley Alderson from uh, the Sands fame says, if somebody throws money at you, don't duck. But it was, it was actually a really mm. wonderful experience taking them through the show and seeing it with fresh eyes. So, yeah, for those of you that don't know, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, is the largest trade show in the U.S. And it goes on for four days, usually the first week of January here in Las Vegas. And this is something like that you're doing more and more. 175,000 people. Well, you know, this was, it was fun. It was fun. And, and obviously there were a lot of bells and whistles to be seen at CES. And it, it's just always fun. It's always a good time, and they, they just do a great job, especially with such a massive, massive citywide convention. Five venues, almost three million net square feet, I believe. Like, it's just huge. Takes up the whole city. Massive. So, yes. And you? Any, what about you, Anthony? What are you doing? What are you working I on? Think, I think, we're, I mean, my journalistic credentials are the important part of the, uh, for the podcast, but I'm going to be doing a lot more pavilion work, uh, working with the... Uh, Connect, I guess connecting industries across borders and like because we know the trade show industry, you know the best. That's thing really is to, clever. Is, Wait, let's go back to that a second. Connecting industries across borders. Ooh, I like that tagline. So what's big for me this year is going to be Brexit, isn't it? I mean, we've got end of this month throughout the EU. So I mean, we're cutting this in the middle of January, and by the end of January, you know, by the beginning of February, we're we're, we're, we're adios. You know, we're into the sunset. So <laughs> so these these businesses in the UK, they need they need you know to find new partners around the world. And what's the best way of doing that? Well, we know it's trade shows. So I've already helped connect what, you know, the, what's the big air show, the uh, Farnborough International Air Show. That's now got a, 
a birth in in outside in a place called Utapau in Thailand, and that's the first business that I've I've generated that respect, and now I'm looking to build on that. So yeah, Excellent. exciting year for me, and it's nice to not always be sat at a computer doing this work that are keeping me keeping me there. going. Yeah, it um, is. Any uh, other weird trends can you think of this year? Any other weird trends? I think that you know it. Uh, as of as of the taping of this um, or recording of this, whatever you want to call, let me show my age. Uh, the U.S. and China have just signed on a little trade agreement. Um, we'll see how that pans out. The, Trump, of course, is taking, you know, he's the best and the biggest of everything. But um, it, it, the pundits are saying, you know, this isn't really anything new. And it was already done. And you know, he, him getting wow. in the middle of things kind of screwed it up. So they don't see it being a huge difference in terms of what's going on. Although, you know, it's a commitment to buy a lot of U.S. products that they were wow. already buying and then they stopped buying. So we'll well, see what happens with that. I think uh, the U.S. the U.S. government and the impeachment trials and the trials and tribulations of everything Trump will continue to have a worldwide effect, and um, uh, it'll be interesting no question to about see. It. Yeah, well, I mean, and if he doesn't start us on World War Three, I think I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. We're not allowed so, to talk um, about World War Three. Yes, remember we don't no, talk about that. <laughs> no, we don't talk about that. But anyway, so let's talk about something more pleasant. Um, the fact that all trade shows plans. are now going to take place at theme parks. That's, the, that's the, <laughs> I think, the, the big trend. Just imagine it. Plenary sessions on the carousel, shouting at people on slowly undulating plastic horses. And then no, I'd rather networking. be on the roller coaster. I'd rather be the one on the roller coaster. You know, trying Networking to get... on a roller coaster. I mean, oh, how no. has no one done this yet already? It's no, we such did. A, years such an ago, obvious this... idea. Here it is. So years ago, IAEE, when Harry Potter World first opened up at Universal... Studios theme park in Orlando, Florida. IAEE's opening party took place at Harry Potter World. And so I, being the Harry Potter geek that I am, I am one, sorry, I've been outed a long time ago, uh, <laughs> went on the roller coasters. And then I discovered they have these things, um, they have like little areas. So if there's two, you know, parents in line with kids, they can actually switch places without having to queue up all over again. So I discovered these mysterious doors, and I remember walking up to a group of friends who had just made the long hike up because we had the whole place, so there was no line for the roller coasters. And I walked up behind them and said, hello, and they all jumped like crazy, and then they, they were like, where did you come from? And I just said, it's magic. That's <laughs> <laughs> really great idea. Okay, so. This edition, we'll be speaking to two of the industry's best-known names. It's uh, Paul Woodward from Paul Woodward Advisory. Many people, of course, will know him as the former MD of UFI, the uh, Global Association for the Exhibition Industry. And Michael Duck, the EVP of Informer Markets, formerly UBM Asia or whatever it was called. But what did you speak to them about, Steph? Well, um, I had a chance to speak with them during the UFI Global Congress in Thailand a couple of months ago. And everything that they have to say is still relevant, by the way. Uh, we're going to have a global snapshot. Paul's got a global snapshot around the whole world. And Michael gets into some more specifics about the Asian market that Paul didn't get around to mentioning, India. And with that, let's hear from the guys. Talk to me about what you're starting, you know, what are you seeing in different areas, mostly right now? My sense is people around the world are slightly anxious at the moment. They feel that the last two, three, four years has really been pretty good, most places in the world. This has been the good times. You... You go to every industry conference of any, pretty much any industry, let alone the, the events world, 
somebody will stand up in, at some point in that conference and you start a speech saying, in these tough times. And even the last four years, people have been saying, in these tough times. The truth is, these were not the tough times. These were the very good times. Right. Almost everywhere in the world, we've seen pretty strong performance um, with, with trade fairs, numbers up and down in some areas, but in principle, people have been doing quite well. I sense at the moment a degree of anxiety, partly driven by trade war issues, partly by an almost inevitable sense that economies are slowing down. When I talk to CEOs at the moment, they are saying to me things like, we know which bits of our portfolio are going to suffer when things get tough. Right. So I think there's a little bit of belt tightening going on around at the moment. People are trying to sort of get the the ship in order for what they see as a bit of a storm. I mean, I don't think this is disaster across the world, but people are looking at growth rates slowing um, across pretty much across the board. I mean, Asia has been the bright star in the in the. Yeah, with for, multi, for everybody. With, with tons and tons of growth. I mean, yes. double-digit growth. Yeah, there's been a little... single digit. Overall, it's been down below double-digit for a while across, across Asia, but it's still been growing pretty strongly and will continue to do all right, I think. I mean, we've still got a lot of growth coming in China, quite a lot of growth in this part of the world in Southeast Asia. Yeah, it's... Um, there, there, are, there are good opportunities in... in countries like Thailand, which is quite a big exhibitions market now in Indonesia. Um, and they're really and they're really trying to recruit people. And and Singapore too, right? I mean that they're they're all spending a lot of money in recruitment and, and incentives for businesses to come in. Yep. And trade shows. I mean they're really, really trying to put their money where their mouths are. Yeah, I mean Thailand probably leads the way in that. The government organization TSEB, which which uh, are amazing, it is one of the very few, to be honest, convention bureaus in the world that has a genuine focus on the exhibition trade fairs component of what it is that we all do. Most convention bureaus, as the name would suggest, focus on conventions, right? Or they or they focus on on the mice without the e at the end. They do partly because there are easier wins for them in events which move around the world from year to year. Trade fairs generally don't move. Most a few do, but by and large they don't move around. So it's a little harder for them to know what they should do. But our friends in Thailand have been working for the last I think 15 years this organization's been in place and they do a great job here. So and that they have seen the results. The uh, the venues there is great venues here which have been built but largely by the private sector, which is pretty unusual compared to anywhere in the world. Um, so I think Southeast Asia remains a really interesting market, and that's certainly what I'm hearing from the CEOs I talk to. Um, there remains a lot of interest from the international companies in the U.S. market, not because they necessarily think it's going to be growing very fast in the next year or two, but simply because it's such a big market. And it's also very dynamic and entrepreneurial. I mean, there is always... There is always a flow of new ideas, new shows, new small companies coming through in the U.S. So although the market is dominated by big association events and the big international players, huh. actually there's a, there's a wonderfully sort of wonderful entrepreneurial flow of new events and new companies bubbling up always in the States, which is why people are interested in being involved in the U.S. market. You know, interestingly enough, at breakfast, um, we were having breakfast with um, uh, Doug Emsley from mm -hmm. Tarsus and Simon Kimball, um, who are actually pretty good friends. It's, it's funny that, you know, they're, they're competitors, but they're friendly competitors. Mm -hmm. 
uh, they're very serious about business, but they were both talking about how in terms of M&A, they're seeing a whole lot of stuff out there, and they hadn't seen it for a long time. And so I thought that was interesting. They said, of course, you know, you, you, there's good and there's bad, but they said that it's really interesting to see how much is out there in terms of M&A. Yeah. Which I think is good for the business. It is in principle, because I think from time to time people see these big deals done and they say big companies like Reed or Inform or whoever it is, Clarion, Tarsus, scooping up Other companies, big companies. And, and people look around and say, is there anything else left to buy? It must all be over. But actually one of the great things about this business, there are always new industry trends and when there are new industry trends that generates new kinds of events. Um, so I think this flow will continue, and I don't see that, that stopping. I don't see much new or terribly exciting, interesting development across Europe. Um, Africa continuing to come up and interest people, but kind of relatively small and relatively difficult still. So there are f still a few brave companies. Like our friends from Montgomery. Like our friends from Montgomery and oh. a few others stepping out into some really challenging markets across Africa, as well as South Africa, which is a different different ball game. Right. Um, Latin there are some, for those of you that don't know, there, there are some really beautiful convention centers. Yeah. Really well-run, well beautiful convention centers in South Africa. In South Africa, yeah. The rest of Africa, no. The venues or lack of venues is a real challenge across most of the rest of the continent. Um, which means it's a tiny industry for a continent of that scale and 50 countries. But um, Latin America, again, people blow hot and cold, probably hold cold in general at the moment, just because so many of the countries across that region have Issues. big challenges. <laughs> yes. And even markets which have been pretty solid, good trade fair markets like Chile, right. you know, really, some really wobbling a bit at yeah. the moment. And then we've got sort of Bolivia, Argentina, Venezuela, all. So... You know, you've got a couple of islands of stability like Colombia in, um, in, in, in South America where things are still basically pretty okay. Right. Brazil, <laughs> yeah. all right by Brazilian standards. Yeah, well, um, you know, Brazil, yeah. Uh, one of, one of our, our dear friends, Marco Hilberti, from when he, before he became the, the, the angel investor to the events business, technology business, I remember he got up during the middle of the recession at, at a SISO CEO, and he said... Crisis? What crisis? We're always in crisis. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, it did bring a lot of a chuckle, and, and people started thinking about it in a different way. I think that he did have an impact with, get over it. It yeah. happens. This is a cycle. Yeah. These things happen. Plan accordingly. Sure. Don't, don't be babies. You know, be, get, it, get out in front. And I think that's what we're starting to see some of these organizations do. Yeah, no, I think they've got established, the bigger companies have established bases there. They know that it's not going to be smooth sailing the whole time and steady growth, but they're, you know, they're big markets and there is business to be done there. Yeah. So they're there. They'll take their clients who want to go there to those markets. And they'll scale back accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, oh, let's see. I, what, kind of, what other question did I have? Oh, so you're a bit of a sailor, yes. For those that don't know, <laughs> and I actually did get to join you in uh, Corfu. You did. It was very fun. a year ago. Um, it was amazing. We saw the largest what sailing yacht in the world, the A, yep. which is probably also one of the ugliest ships you've ever seen. In very life. ugly indeed. It's only uh, called A so that it comes first on everybody's list. So you can Google that. It's worth it, and and it is that ugly. Sailing yacht A. Yep. Sailing yacht A. So where 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 the where's the boat going this year? The boat is in Corfu still. We took a little trip up to Montenegro, which is in case you need to get the atlas out, it's a little <laughs> tiny country between Croatia and Albania, but absolutely gorgeous. 
and uh, we'll carry on sailing around Greece for the time being. Oh, wonderful. Tough life, eh? Well, you know, if you can do it, why not? <laughs> We've all put our time in. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Steph. Our thanks to Paul for his input there. It's always good to have the global snapshots. And I'm very used to getting them from Jochen Witt at the annual UFI congresses and stuff. So it's nice to hear it from someone else. Hey, um, um, yes. one weird thing though, just on, on, on Indonesia. Do you know Indonesia is moving its capital city? No. I find this amazing. So we're going to see new venues opening up in Indonesia. But in some, I don't know if they've decided it yet, but Jakarta is sinking. <laughs> Oh because my God! There's an aquifer underneath it where all of the people are drawing the water. So they're moving the capital city of Indonesia to somewhere else. So that would be a, an, a, an interesting see who puts the first venue up in wherever that is going to be. Oh my God, that's incredible! Uh, one notable absence in his discussion of Asia, however, was India, which is a huge uh, market and something that we're about to hear from Michael Duck as being somewhere with new venues, new opportunities, and possibly new investors. So here's Michael. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit because your portfolio is quite extensive and you spend a lot of time on airplanes, don't you? I do. Listening to your program. Oh, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to do so and it's, uh, it really helps me get a, a, a good feeling about where the industry is going globally. You know, there's a lot of really smart people that we get to access to. Very so, good. And you're one of them. So you, sp- you do spend a lot of time. On airplanes. Yeah, we, your portfolio uh, is pretty extensive. I'm based in Hong Kong. I've been there for quite some time, uh, and our region basically goes from India to Japan. Uh, so that's why Hong Kong makes a, a really nice position because it's right in the middle of everywhere. Right. And China being so important to everyone, including ourselves, our number one uh, exhibition market, uh, it's it's perfect. It is, it is. So let's talk a little bit about India, because yeah. it's um it's got a growing industry and it, it was really suffering for a long time because it didn't have a whole lot of venues did it well you've got to look at india being like china was 25 years ago you know each of the cities had some very small exhibition venues similarly in uh, in india too uh it's just taken a little bit more time in india to get together infrastructure wise uh and today you have in mumbai a new exhibition center which is coming up called the geo uh, and in Delhi, importantly, you've got two new, very large exhibition centres. How big are, are they? Well, the, the, the Pragati Maidan will be initially 80,000 square metres, and uh, the, the new uh, Kintex exhibition centre will be about 60,000. Wow. Now, both of those will double in size over the next two, three, four, five years, depending on utilisation. But plans are there. You know, you're talking about a country the same size as, as China in terms of people, 1.4 billion people wow. um, and where in the past 20 years India has seen some 500 million people being lifted up out of poverty into the next levels of consumerism so people want to have uh, white goods, uh, people want to have TVs, people want to have uh, access to restaurants people want a motor car and importantly people are now going on holiday so the outbound market from India is indicative of the new wealth that's also in, in India. Wow. Um, what, what country do you think is going to be the next hotspot besides India in terms of where we're going to see a lot of exhibition growth? I mean, throughout Southeast Asia, we're seeing a lot of, you know, very Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, where we are right now at the UK yeah. Global Congress, are all really, you know, putting a lot of money into 
selling their markets. Yeah, I think if you take ASEAN as a block, right. certainly that's very interesting. And there's a lot of people, a lot of different uh, cultures and markets, etc. But um, you know, there are places which uh, are hubs, like Hong Kong, for instance, or Singapore, or Dubai. Uh, and there are places which are individual markets, like Indonesia, Vietnam, Malaysia, all with interesting venue positions, but they are not mega hubs like, uh, not so much hubs, but the cities like in Shanghai or Guangzhou or in Delhi to come or Dubai. Right. Uh, so the different, uh, different types of markets, different levels of, of growth and, uh, and, and, and position. So with such a large portfolio and so far flung, do you find that like the language issues, or, or does everybody you know speak English that works for the company? I mean, how does that work? I'm just really curious as to how that whole human resources thing goes. Because wow, well, um, you know, dealing in in China, you've got many different dialects. Okay, okay you've got a main <laughs> yeah. language of Putonghua that people talk, but people say in Hong Kong and in Guangdong speak Cantonese. Right. In Shanghai, they speak Shanghaiese. In Beijing, they speak Beijingwa. Uh, so they're all very different languages. Uh, very cleverly, if you write Chinese, people, everyone can understand it, but no one <laughs> wants to be sitting there writing to each other. No. Um, so very luckily, uh, I've had extremely good interpreters, which also give a status. When you're te- talking to senior government people, to senior people in companies and whatever, um, it gets, also leaves you a little bit of time to think about what you're going to say <laughs> as well. <laughs> Um, so uh, I'll tell you one of my secrets there. So, okay. No, it, um, it, 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 it is helpful. Yeah, it's helpful. Uh, and in India, there are many Indians who speak far better English than I do. Yeah, it, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. All right. What's your favorite place to go eat out of your whole portfolio? Because you're a bit of a foodie. I've had the pleasure <laughs> of sharing more than one meal with you in the past. Oh. And I, I just got to ask. I'll put you on the oh, spot it's, there. It's, it's really, really difficult because I, I, I really <laughs> like the cuisines of many different countries. So if you told me which my favorite place in each country, I could easily <laughs> go through all, all, all of those. But I have to say probably the best places at home in my kitchen because I love to cook myself as well. Oh, well, that, So that I like to go sense. to a marketplace and I like to make some interesting uh, interesting recipes. So, so yeah, I, I think it's interesting when we talk about the different regions and how some are much more domestic national markets, like mm. Malaysia, mm. right? Which also, by the way, has phenomenal food. It and does. It does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. You guys, if you have a chance, try some. It's yeah. it's spectacular. Yeah. Think think Thai and Indian combined, and you're kind of getting close, only yummier. Correct. Right, but um, I, I I think that is interesting. You know, with that and. Within within informal markets and, and within the portfolio that you work on, do you mm. find that, that people tend to stay within their own countries or do you move people around? How does, how in terms does that, of personnel? Yeah, or, in terms of personnel. Well, they, they tend portfolios. to, yes. We do have a few people that, that come and train in different parts of the, of the group that are in the IT sector or operational or HR. So we often use uh, Hong Kong as a training center, for instance, and sort of take people around to different different uh, regions so that we can discuss HR, for instance, or operational elements uh, for those regions, how, what a best practice, how to use things more env- environmentally friendly, some of the things that we learn from, from UFI, for instance, and some of, the, some of the chapters here. So all of these are very interesting. But I'd say the key, the key things are in terms of, of the uh, event directors and event marketers and event uh, personnel who are in sectors. Right. So, uh, and, and an issue and a problem is is actually how to how to move them from each sector because you want them to understand 
that particular market. You want them to understand who are the, the, the movers and shakers in the industry. Also, to take part in those industries as and well. And become so a part of it, be, right? become part of it. Because that's, I, I believe, and we all, all believe now, it is a key way forward. So, it absolutely. So we belong to chambers of commerce or we belong to associations. And this is very much part of industry seeing us as part of the way that they're, they're marketing their industry. Yeah. Fortunately, we have... Within informal markets, we have, say, 30 different sectors in Asia, uh, ranging from jewellery to beauty products to uh, concrete to uh, pharmaceuticals, etc., um, which makes life really very interesting and one of the most exciting things in our business. Yeah, I'd like to say that because I've worked on so many different kinds of shows, I'm yeah. really good at Trivial Pursuit. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Not as good at Cards Against Humanity, but Trivial Pursuit, Pursuit definitely. Very good, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's about it. Thank you, Michael, for your time. Thank you, Stephanie. And we're going to go back to the Congress. Great pleasure. Once again, our uh, thanks for Michael and uh, Paul. You know, speaking of interpreters, didn't you just tell me a story recently about something that happened to you in uh, Warsaw? With, in uh, Poland, yes. Yes, yeah, what yeah, happened? Yeah. It is a bit of a, it, what Michael said, it has its benefits and its, and its uh, uh, downsides as well. So I was, I was talking about the um, cannabis industry as, a, as an industry that um, trade to organizers could be buying into and sort of creating events in this market. After our conversation with Cassandra Farrington, which was in a previous podcast, there's a big picture of a cannabis leaf on the wall, and I pointed at it and said, hey, what, you know, does anyone recognize this leaf, this plant? And no one put their hand up. So I oh, said, no. oh, and I, 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 I said, come on, guys. And I, I made a joke about the guys at the back smoking weed. I was like, I'm, you guys at the back, I'm sure I could smell something earlier. You guys know what this is, right? And, and, and I didn't realize the translator was about 20 seconds behind me because of how fast it was speaking. So about 20 seconds later, brand new slide on the wall, no cannabis leaf. And a load of people in the front row sort of meerkatted up on their chairs looking at the back of the room. Thinking that I'd, <laughs> because the translator had just suddenly said, and there's some guys at the back of the room smoking, smoking weed. weed. <laughs> so that, that, awesome. delay, that delay doesn't always uh, help you out. So, you know, note, note to some cultural things. And, and when you have simultaneous translation, yeah, sometimes there is a delay. Well, <laughs> that brings us to the end of um, another... <clears throat> Exhibitionist Podcast, our first of 2020. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, uh, tell a friend. Tell a few friends. And um, with that, if you need to contact me, I am Stephanie Selesnick, and I can be contacted at internationaltradeinformation.com. And Anthony? You can find me at Anthony without an H at wheremarketsmeet.co.uk. See you next time. <laughs>